0: Welcome to Are UFO Real? My name's Tom, and with me as always is Grant. What's up, S.A.? Nada. Nada mucho. (laughs) Um, In this podcast, we discuss all sorts of UFO and UAP-related stories and lore and phenomena. And this is the third part of our Bob Lazar episode. So before we get into that, I just want to say, if you enjoy what we're doing here, please hit the like and or subscribe buttons, because it really does help us out. Um, we want all sorts of feedback, positive and negative, as to what we're doing here. We just want to keep having fun doing this, and any feedback we get is, uh, is a benefit to us.
1: Yeah, at this point, we're just putting a message in a bottle and throwing it out there. So
0: Right, right. So uh, as I was saying, this episode, we are going to examine the evidence that seems to support Bob Lazar's story. And then we're going to examine some of the evidence that seems to discredit his story. Uh, There's been a lot of speculation and online conversation surrounding Bob Lazar's story and there have been many independent investigations into the claims that he's made so Grant has tried to condense them into what he thinks are the most um, I guess you could say intriguing aspects for us.
1: Yeah as far as I find it anyway that I you know I kind of try to focus on the interesting points to me Um, as I'll probably say again and again on here you can just keep clicking on the internet as I'm sure everyone's aware of and uh, never get to the bottom so I don't want to you know, I don't want to dig too deep. I want to look at what I think's relevant, basically mostly the first hand accounts. And stuff sure. Like that. There's sure. Been, uh especially with a story like this, there's been a lot of speculation,
0: so it I mean, it just spirals out forever, you know. Yeah. and I think first hand is um yeah, it's the easiest to, to look into. Yeah. Um and verify or discredit, I guess you could say.
1: Yeah, with something like that, I mean, with, with pretty much all of this stuff, it, it really comes down to if you believe somebody or not, you know. So uh yeah. I mean we're trying to look at the devil's in the details, so Um, you know, yeah. Well, thanks for dancing with the devil for us, Grant. (laughs) Hey, it's fun. (laughs) Anyway, uh, So, um, yeah, so I think the, uh, the most convincing aspect of Lazar's story is Lazar himself. You know, that being said later, I'll go over some of the behaviors that also cast, cast doubt upon closer examination, but basically Lazar seems like a very smart and logical guy who's simply telling the story of what happened to him. Uh, Lazar himself has never claimed that he could prove his story, but that he's just relaying what he knows to be true. Um, As I said before, Lazar's story has actually changed very little since his first telling of it approximately 30 years ago. He seems very concerned with being precise with details, much as you would expect someone who's scientifically minded to act. He speaks in very precise terms, even down to exact numbers like that there were 22 people with majestic clearance. Again, no explanation of how he knows this, so I have to assume that he was just doing head counts himself or something. Right. Um, some other precise numbers he gives are the count of nine craft that he saw with his own eyes, and that there were 63 or 65 genetic alterations made to our genes by aliens. Did you? Uh, did you end up... I know since our last recording, I sent you the some of those videos. Did you ever end up watching those or anything? I did not, man. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Again, I would highly recommend. Like, if you're interested in the story, watch his early one, and then maybe one of the later ones because it's. I mean it. It does stay the same, but he he's a lot more precise with details in the beginning. It just it just seems kind of strange to me, anyway. But
0: right, this is the supporting evidence we're going over, so. With the genetic alterations, is that something that he was given in one of his briefings that may or may not have been misinformation?
1: I don't think he really ever said, I mean, not in that interview, he doesn't really say, but I think, yeah, I think it was part of the briefing. And um, I
0: did end up watching that, the first interview with him, I did end up watching Right, that where he talks yeah. about the aliens Yes, uh, doing yeah. head trauma
1: to people and stuff.
0: Yes. And, uh, yeah, yeah, so. The aliens were playing some brick-in-the-head games with, uh basically i mean unfortunate guards there and we got to think this is before all the ancient alien shows
1: and stuff like that you know like i think maybe stargate was around or or uh
0: no maybe not not in 89 right no not in 89
1: stargate came out in the
0: early 90s i'm almost certain of that
1: so but basically yeah what he seems to be hint or saying i mean he is saying that it, it was you know ancient aliens basically uh modified mankind yeah um so anyway, there's a few little human details that Lazar has said during his interviews over the years that ring true to me and seem to make his story authentic. Like how he mentions that the military could use a radio to communicate while he was allowed to observe the saucer in flight. Obviously, this really baffled Lazar, and being someone who likes to know how things work, it makes sense that this fact would really stick with him, even though it is a minor detail overall. It especially makes sense that, uh, sense he was trying to figure out how the propulsion worked. Another thing that rings true is how Lazar mentions that at first it was really exciting to be exposed to this advanced technology, but then a feeling of dread started to settle upon him every day, which was caused by experimenting with something that they really had no comprehension of. Lazar uses an analogy of people from the past being exposed to a nuclear reactor, how they would see that it produces power and eventually would try to open it up and see how it worked, which would cause them all to die. Then uh, other people would come in the room and it'd be exposed to the nuclear radiation and die, et cetera, et cetera, which you, I think you brought up on the first
0: episode that we did on this. I did. And him... I wonder if he was... Well, I think the implication is probably the dread feeling is that he was afraid that he would be exposed to something unknown and he himself would be harmed by this uh, by this propulsion system, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, they... Yeah, uh, having no idea what it is or how it works, and obviously it has vast amounts of power in there, and who knows, you know, if they make the 115 unstable or something like that.
0: Yeah, and we're just now starting to understand the effects of zero gravity on on the human body. I think um, a lot of—that's why astronauts have to exercise, like, extensively while they're in orbit, because— you know, our bones and our muscles are just kind of used to having this pull of gravity on us all the time. And if you don't have that, then everything starts to atrophy. You start getting osteoporosis and your, your muscles start to just completely weaken. So they have to, that's a uh, good point. So all you, the time. So you
1: mean yeah. like, uh, implying that like the anti-gravity would have a, a an effect on your body that could you know be man. Yeah, I'm not yeah. a
0: scientist, but you know, that's something that, you know, totally. Well, yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Well, anyway, uh, so then, uh, another detail that seems very human is that Lazar says that no longer being involved sometimes keeps him up at night, especially since his removal was due to his own behavior. In hindsight, he thinks that he probably would have acted differently, which makes sense. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, it does seem silly that he went out to the desert and just started partying and, and showing people top
0: secret stuff. Right. I'm. <sighs> I'm still kind of shocked about that, to be honest. <laughs> it seems I a little think.
1: ridiculous, yeah.
0: For, for someone as technologically minded as he is, that's super-duper reckless. But
1: then he's a crazy guy, too, a wild and crazy guy. So, I mean, he's he's kind of a rebellious dude, it seems like. And, uh, you know, at that point, he was saying that he wasn't getting called to the base anymore. So,
0: yeah, I don't know. Oh, that's a yeah. pretty big F to the base, people. Yeah, Uh, yeah, totally Especially uh, if he actually has all this uh, forbidden knowledge um, That he wasn't supposed to divulge I wouldn't be flaunting it in their face, man Even with a belly full of whiskey I wouldn't be flaunting it in their face Right,
1: and um, it seems like I I mean, the time frame's kind of weird But I think he was starting to get worried about how much he knew, too So why would you go and start blabbing it? I mean, that's the last thing I would think you would do
0: Hey, we're not Bob Lazar, though. Who That's knows? true.
1: That's true. And to, and to be fair, he he admitted he was young and stupid when he did it, you know, but yeah. Um, in the Rogan interview specifically. Um, let's see here. So people have asked why Lazar would still be speaking publicly about this is if he had been threatened. But uh, as Lazar himself explains, he's already told everyone everything that he knows. So what interest would the government have in silencing him now? Maybe his insurance policy of going public actually worked.
0: Um, you, yeah, so you mean by I guess if he goes
1: public and then he gets executed then
0: yeah, if he goes if he if he gets disappeared yeah. Uh, then then all of a sudden adds, it's gonna adds adds add, more, add that, more adds more credence to his story. Like see, see he was, you know, saying he was speaking the truth. He's a martyr now.
1: Right, right. I mean I don't think that holds a lot of water personally, but I mean, I think people could forget about it pretty quick, you know. Um anyway, um now I'm now I'm getting into conspiracy theories about the government assassinating people who have secrets and stuff. But Yes. It, it doesn't uh it doesn't seem doubtful to me, I gotta say. But um let's see here. So of course I can't confirm this, but if Lazar is approached publicly or if people go to his house to talk to him, he does not want to discuss the subject and is known to call the police to remove loiterers. Lazar has taken many lie detector tests and passed them all, as far as I know.
0: Okay. Let's yeah. talk about
1: lie detector tests. Yeah, yeah. There. I don't think we've really gotten into this on a record.
0: No, um, they're used a lot to validate UFO stories, <laughs> right? Right. Claims. Well, here's the thing: they're not admissible in a court of law, at least in California. Right. Um, it's uh, they're um, they're unreliable at best. And we get pretty liberal here in
1: California, so yeah, yeah. But that's more of a put than anything.
0: <laughs> yeah so i don't i don't give i don't take too much stock in lie detectors whether people pass them or whether they don't pass them um if you've convinced yourself of something to the point where your body is not um nervous about what you're saying then you're going to pass a lie detector test right um if you there there was this company here in in California that was going to be called no lie mRI where they were going to do an MRI on people as they were taking a lie detector test and they would supposedly be able to tell if you um if you were lying while doing an MRI because your body would emit some kind of uh, god I don't I don't have the scientific knowledge What is an MRI It's a uh, it's one of those things where they give you a scan a brain scan okay. so they're looking uh, at yeah, your yeah. at your brain actively but the problem is there are people who are sociopaths and psychopaths who have no um no compunction about lying or uh, right. remorse or anything like that, so they would be able to pass this kind of thing with flying colors. And I suspect people can do that with, um, uh, with just standard issue polygraph tests, where if you are you have either convinced yourself without a doubt that something is true, regardless of whether it's true or not, right. you'll pass. Right, right. Or if you're just super duper nervous about what you're talking about, or if you're just a nervous person in general, you're probably going to fail because your results are going to be all over the
1: place. Do you know how lie detectors work? Actually? I mean, I, I assume they hook up monitors to certain
0: muscles. Yeah, they're, they're, they're called polygraph tests. Um, and what they do is they measure your brains as your brains response to specific questions. Um, and how your, your, um, your brain responds. Okay. To that. So if you're, if you, for instance, ask me the question, is your name Tom? And I would answer yes. Theoretically, um, I would not emit any kind of um, freak out pheromones or freak out uh, whatever they're called mm-hmm. um, that would suggest that I was being untruthful. Right. However, so, so yeah, if
1: you're a good liar and you don't get nervous, then, right, then uh, it's, what's it going to do? I right. Guess. But,
0: exactly. So that's why, like, when I see shows on, like, you know, on Mori Povich <laughs> lie detector results say that's a lie. You know, it's funny as hell to watch, but I don't believe that. Right. At all. I, I take more stock in paternity tests and that kind of thing. Or uh, what if
1: like you were asked a question that made you uncomfortable or like the subject or something like, right. You know, if or you just uncomfortable the fact about your relationship with your parents and they ask you something about your parents and then,
0: or if you're just a nervous dude who doesn't like being hooked up to machines. Right, I suge- right. I suggest I think it's highly likely that, your results are going to be all over the place. So you're either going to fail the test or the test is going to be inconclusive. So I guess to tie this all back into Lazar, um, he spent his life telling this story right so of course he's going to pass lie detector test because this has become the truth to him he has told himself this over and over and over again regardless of whether it happened or not I'm I'm not saying right you just rehearse I'm not taking a stance right now as to whether it happened or not but since he has told this story so many times to other people and to himself of course he passed the lie detector test
1: I mean do you think there's been uh, experiments with method actors you know that get so into a role or something like that you know I don't know
0: that's fast that's a that's a good question
1: man. the other thing that just occurred to me is that, um, and remember, we're supposed to be supporting him right now, but uh, But, uh, that doesn't really matter and um, I mean we're just examining the evidence basically, but uh, I think I get into it or, but uh, I know he was hip, you know, he would go through hypnosis to try and remember what happened on the base so could you hypnotize yourself to believe something in order to pass, you know, I mean, that's a lot of speculation, but you know what I mean, like you, if
0: you trick yourself into believing something I'm um, not I don't know enough about hypnosis. I mean, I, I, the thing about hypnosis is that's another one of those things that is usually inadmissible in a court of law. Like, uh, like regress memories. Yeah. Hypnotic regression is not because it's inherently susceptible. If someone is actually, um, you're inherently susceptible to suggestion. Right. Right. Um, and, Again, hypnotic regression is something that has been used by numerous people in the UFO community, like Bud Hopkins, who I really like. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of the um, hypnotic regression stuff, frankly, is uh, unreliable.
1: That's why I'm not sure if I get into it or not, because I mean, it's, you know, I don't I don't know what to make of it, really. And yeah, that's interesting, because that is like a big thing with UFO phenomena is uh, lie detectors and hypnosis are like the number one evidence that it's
0: true. But it, it doesn't really And the bottom line is, man, and we've learned, we've been learning about this through numerous studies in the law of, um, uh, identifications and misidentifications of perpetrators is that people have faulty memories. People's memories are just inherently faulty. Right. Even, and the stronger, this is the interesting thing. The stronger you believe that your memory is correct, oftentimes it's, it's an inverse relationship between how accurate your memory is. Malcolm Gladwell did a fascinating podcast on this, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember. It's on his Revisionist History podcast. I can't remember. We might be able to put it in the link or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I'll if you're interested in it. it. But memory, uh, the more and more we learn about human memory, is it's inherently unreliable. So I think with Lazar, we got to we got to discount the polygraphs and we got to discount any kind of hypnotic regression. If, nope. we, if we're going to get to the truth of this, we got to look at the physical evidence.
1: Right. Right. And I mean, like I said, Lazar tells a good story, so I wouldn't put sure. it past him to be able to lie his way through. Poly- sure. I mean, I don't know anything about polygraphs really, but you know, it's, it's hard for me to, you know, to, to put that much stock in it. Basically. Yeah. Um, So anyway, it, it has to be said that Lazar tells a good story and I just said it. And, uh, part of the reason that is so compelling is that the details he gives about what he knows about the craft seem to match with many eyewitness accounts of observation of UFOs as, um, I'm specifically, and he mentions this in Rogan too, but, uh, well, I'll get into that in just a second in my notes here, but, uh, Um, So the gravitational field would distort light photons and radar signals and would even distort time since gravity, time and space are all connected as explained by the theory of relativity. Not that I really understand the relativity, relativity enough to explain how it works, but as I understand it, the faster an object moves, the more mass it generates and the slower time becomes relative to the
0: object. That's my general understanding as well.
1: Um, the gravitational field that he describes as being used for propulsion does a good job of explaining how these objects seem to flash in and out of existence in front of people at random, often sometimes to, or seeming to change positions while doing so, and also how the craft can make such physics defying turns at high speed since the craft and its occupants would be protected from G-forces, um, yeah. Have you seen those videos of the, the lights kind of blinking in and out and skipping around and yeah. stuff? I think it was over in Mexico or something like that. Yeah. Um, as Lazar describes in the Rogan interview, this also seems to explain the movements observed in the recently released Tic Tac and gimbal sightings, uh, more of the Tic Tac now that I've been looking at it, but, uh, which we'll examine in, in the next episode pretty much. I can't much, wait I can't after wait. we're done with Lazar here anyway.
0: I can't wait. <laughs> the
1: uh the metaphor that Lazar gives is that it would work similarly to the wavy image created by a hot road.
0: You know. Like a mirage type thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. Optical illusion because of the the heat waves. Bending light rays, I guess. Mm. <laughs> I'm not uh, <laughs> yeah. I am not a physicist. I'll I'll say it before and I'll say it again. But um, another way in which Lazar's story rings true is in the predictions he made and information that he uncovered. Before Bob Lazar, nobody knew about the existence of Area 51. This is easy to overlook since Area 51 is such a huge part of UFO mythology now. Oh. Although it seems like they wouldn't have them there now that it's such a known thing. I mean, there was a movie about it and everything, you know. But You mean they wouldn't
0: have the aliens
1: there? Yeah, right I, would, I would think they would ship them out pretty quick if, if that was the case. But
0: So you think when people storm Area 51, they're not going to?
1: Well, we'll gonna... see, won't we? <laughs> Did you sign up? <laughs> no, no, heck no. Me neither. <laughs> maybe, we, maybe we should go out there and interview some people or something, but... Uh,
0: I've got too much to live for. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I think it's a big joke anyway, but... Uh, I was yeah. just listening to another podcast on the subject and now it is a real thing, even though it started off as a joke, you know, so we'll see what happens. I mean, people love a, nothing draws a crowd like a crowd, you know?
0: Well, I hope they use non-lethal, <laughs> non-lethal tactics to subdue these poor idiots who are going to come barging in there if they actually do.
1: Right. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what Sigh. What <laughs> Probably a lot of people doing drugs and uh, and drinking out in the desert. Yeah. Um, so the scientific revelations that Lazar made at the time about gravity being a wave and the existence of element 115 have since been verified or proven by the scientific community. Again, I'm not a physicist, but I think I remember element (laughs) fifth. Sorry, I can't read here. Uh, again, I'm not a physicist, but I think I remember element 115 being on the periodic table when I was in grade school. And it blew my mind because the teacher explained that they were only theoretical at this point did not really exist naturally on earth. From what I understand, we have since been able to replicate particles of element 115, even if only for a few moments. The only problem I have with using this as evidence is what Bob Lazar actually claimed is that they had 500 pounds of a stable isotope of element 115. And we kind of went over this earlier, how I had some questions about this, but it's it's still purely theoretical from what I understand. So
0: element 115 is still
1: purely the stable, theoretical? a stable version. Oh, okay. of OK, you know, right. I mean, they've never made that okay or prove its existence um even so the element 115 thing is touted as one of the most convincing pieces of evidence towards a story being legit even though i could have made up a similar story after learning
0: about the periodic table of elements in fifth grade right so here's here's something i have to say about that mm-hmm. is there theoretically an element 116 yes as far as i believe what about element 120
1: i think so yeah okay
0: so I mean, I, maybe
1: at some point it will break down or something. I I don't know. I okay. think,
0: I, well, I'm, I'm kind of guessing, but I thought it went up to like 117 when I learned about it in grade school. Okay. So is there something about it being at 117 that is like the limit, like the speed of light is the limit in terms of how fast things can go is like the universal speed limit. Is there something about 117 that is like the molecular speed limit, so to speak, where things can't be... I told you I'm not a physicist. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm well aware of that, Grant, but <laughs> let I want me, uh, you to speculate. Let me see if I
1: can bring it up on here without this thing crashing. Let me see uh, a okay. periodic table.
0: My whole point is that periodic table has been around a long time. So claiming that some scientist somewhere had created a stable isotope of an element that was predicted to exist is not that big of a stretch. Um as far as i'm concerned well the one i pulled up just went up to 107 so i don't know 107 i could ask google here or ask uh, duckduckgo let me see duckduckgo what's that <laughs>
1: yeah uh it's like a google i learned about where it doesn't track your uh, search history or anything like that so it's a little more Ooh. privacy based yeah it's a uh, it's a little different than google but i mean this they're not a paid advertiser or anything but uh, i haven't really noticed a difference since i switched over here uh,
0: interesting let's see. What is the highest? We were just talking about how Heinz has a bunch of different condiments now for sale. Have you heard about this? Mm -mm. Like they have mixtures of mustard and mayo. Gross. Yeah. They have natural. Yeah, it is. But the thing is, we were talking about them with my relatives from Michigan. And then the next day on Instagram, boom, advertisements for these things. Really? Yep. Oh, we wow. We're talking about them.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's yeah a creepy they, world we live in. We're in a, uh, what do you call that, a surveillance state, but it's only based on advertising at this point at least.
0: I think they're called like Maychup or there's a mixture of ketchup oh. and mayo and it's called like <laughs> I thought you meant the ads were. No, it, it's called, uh, I think it's Maychup. And there's one called Cranch, which is ketchup and ranch mixed together. Hmm. Sorry, I'm a little
1: distracted. I'm trying to find this thing. But uh, what is the heaviest element? Element 120.
0: Element buck 20?
1: Just uh, looking at the description, the heaviest element in terms of heaviest per a given number of atoms is the element with the highest atomic weight. This is the element with the largest number of protons, which is presently element 118.
0: For our Japanese listeners out there, element 120 is also known as element Hyakuniju. Is that 120? Yeah. <laughs> nice. I know how to say 120 in Japanese. It's hyakuniju. I don't know. Well, actually, I had a Japanese exchange student. Oh. And how to say 99 is kyuju-kyu.
1: Nice. Do you know how to say red balloons or problems? Nah, bruh. Lame. Anyway, I'm stalling here. Obviously. Anywho. <laughs> yeah. So. Um. But yeah. Oganessinum or onu noctium? That's probably not pronounced right. When a heavier element is discovered, example given element 120, then it will become the new heaviest element. That makes sense.
0: Okay. So my whole point was that element 115 was just a natural progression. Right. You know, and it probably has been for some time, probably before you were in fifth grade. Probably before Lazar was in fifth grade. I think. So I don't think it's that big of a, a leap to say like, hey maybe yeah there's a stable version of this element that no one's
1: seen in reality yet and it's the alien fuel I think uh, I was mentioning this before but he goes he explains in one of the interviews or something how like there's a few of them that are radioactive but if you get a certain ion it'll be balanced or something or maybe that's every element Um, so that's what he was saying but uh, I mean I'm sure it's all you know can be backed up by theoretical physics at the time yeah and uh, I think he
0: says himself that that's not that's not that crazy of a thing. I mean, anyone could make it up as, you know. Well, about that element, 115, he seems to have claimed that he's smuggled some of it out. And are you do you get more into that in here as we um, go on?
1: You know what? I never really got into that just because I, well, I don't even
0: remember anymore. Um, because that's a big part, man. Yeah. I of the documentary was there was this implication that he got that he somehow smuggled Some well, of we'll, his We'll go pounds. over that In a little bit Because Okay It was very confusing And yeah I think Okay I, I, I don't want to jump I, ahead If you, if we're already planning to Yeah it. I mean Yeah anyway It's uh,
1: But I I'd, I'd never found anything Of him saying that Or anything You know So I guess I guess he did claim To smuggle it out But I, I never found that First hand or anything So I didn't really Get into it too much again
0: That was a big part Of the um, Of the Netflix documentary Right At right. least Yeah well, we'll
1: uh, we'll talk about the uh, we'll talk about that in a uh, in a moment here. Hey guys, sorry to butt into the conversation here, but I just wanted to tell you about our sponsor, CBG Dub Cigar Box Guitars. Uh, as the sole proprietor, I I hand make these guitars myself. I'm really proud of them. They're made from old cigar boxes. But as you can hear, they sound good plugged in. They sound good acoustic. Um, they come in, or they come with a hand-cut bottleneck slide that I make myself. Um, they're just a lot of fun to play. They're set up for slide guitar. I, I like to think of them as a, as a slide training guitar. Uh, make a great gift for any musician. And they, they look really good just hanging on the wall, too. I think they're kind of a piece of art, you know? Um, you can find us at etsy.com where I also offer free shipping um, just search for CBGdub at etsy.com that's CBG as in cigar box guitar and then D-U-B and um, right now I'm offering my listeners until the end of the year 15% off with a coupon code UFOPOD at checkout so that's U-F-O-P-O-D. I put it in all caps but I don't know if that really matters about it. anyway thanks for listening guys take care okay yeah we're back from a little break here but um the other th- yeah I, I now that i say that i don't know if i get into it too much but i i think yeah lazar definitely did claim to smuggle some out because i think he was talking about um showing it to George Knapp and doing some experiments with it and stuff, which is a crazy claim. And then, like you said about the movie, he he seems to have backed off on that because he's so scared about it from the government and stuff. But um, it'd be nice if he had some to show people, for sure.
0: Yeah, and by backed off on that, I mean I think he is unwilling to discuss it, implying that, well, he probably has um, some. Or that he's
1: lying and he can't back it up.
0: Yeah I guess so But Mm -hmm. I I think by saying like Well that's interesting that you mentioned that Because if he If he admitted that he was lying about that That just blows up his whole story Right But um, he can't really say Yeah I've got some element 115 Because then the government would You know come barging in And raid Raid his uh, His Michigan fireworks store
1: but again, I I don't think I got too into it because I didn't see him firsthand discussing it at all. True, kind of in the movie, but we'll we'll go over that a little bit later. Sure. Um. But I think maybe his buddy was saying in an interview that he showed it to him or something like that. But uh, it, yeah, it is crazy because that's like some actual evidence where it's like, look, there's spaceships because look at this crazy thing I have. How else would I have this? You know. Right. Um. The other thing is, uh, I was just thinking about what you said about the um about the stronger you believe something in your memory. Not that I believe it that strongly in my memory, but uh, I could have been looking at, like, element 108 at that time and that being theoretical in fifth grade. You know, I don't remember the specific,
0: oh, element
1: 115, that's the one, you
0: know. Yeah,
1: and especially after looking at this periodic chart and seeing, like, I mean, I don't know what number it was that I was looking at that they said was theoretical, so. But, and and yeah, that is interesting because I don't know how how do they reach a limit on that? I guess it just can't keep going forever. Maybe they have to prove that that many mo- or, uh, particles could be electrons, I guess, would be able to circle a nucleus. I, I think there's only a, f- well, now I'm just speculating and it's probably driving people crazy that understand this stuff. But there's <laughs> there's only a certain number of, of uh, electrons in each shell, I believe. Um, which is
0: would be in orbit <laughs> I, I yeah, yeah. i okay. took <laughs> i took conceptual physics in high school man that, this is uh, a uh, ufo i started out i started stuff. out in advanced physics and then i was like i'm i'm out of here i yeah. can't do that
1: i wish i'd studied it man or, or chemistry too i wish i understood
0: more. it yeah yeah exactly but uh it's just not my not my cup of tea yeah and it's complicated stuff yeah
1: um but, yeah, obviously, this is an alien podcast, not a science podcast. So Right.
0: Well, there is an intersection between the two.
1: Definitely. But... Science fiction. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So. Um, another interesting thing is that gravity acting as waves as opposed to particles has also been confirmed through observation by the scientific community since Lazar's story came out. However, as Lazar himself says, he really had a 50-50 shot at that one anyway. It was either a wave or a particle, and it was probably probably a wave, but I don't even know, yeah, gravity particles doesn't sound very realistic, I guess I don't know again, that's getting into some complicated physics,
0: i think yeah i my I'm not I can't even comment on that
1: right Could it be a particle moving in a wave, is that anyway um particle man <laughs> I don't know what that is uh some more concrete evidence that has already been mentioned is the hand scanner machine that he described has since been verified hopefully that made sense the way i read it but um yeah basically the the scanner machine has been proven to be real which people doubted at the time but you're uh, talking
0: about the hand scanner machine where they get granted him access to uh s4 yeah right? i kept
1: reading yeah he it was a biometric scanner that measures your uh your bone length in your hands and then it ejects a key card and you use that to get in there um but really that being proven just means that he was familiar with some of the technology used by the military and high security areas at the time, which seems a far cry from proving the existence of a project to back-engineer extraterrestrial technology to me. Uh, the, The same goes for his revelation of the existence of Area 51 itself. One simpler explanation that quickly occurs to me is that Lazar could be a disinformation agent that is releasing some enticing real info sprinkled with a lot of disinformation, which makes the disinformation more enticing.
0: Wow. Right. I mean, yeah. So he's spreading a bunch of BS to uh, muddy the waters, so to speak about what's actually going on at area 51
1: um, and S4. Yeah. I mean, that's just me BSing, you know, really just off the top of my head. But I mean, that's, that's the way I would spread disinformation is put enticing stuff. That seems really cool. A fake and whistleblower,
0: secret. like a fake whistleblower
1: is what he, yeah. I mean, then. I think, I think there's stories of, of, Fake uh, whistleblowers? Oh. Uh, kind of. Yeah, I mean that would be the way to do it, right?
0: That would be one way to do it for <laughs> sure.
1: Oh, um, another off-the-cuff theory that explains these revelations is that Lazar worked on the base as a technician for the hand scanner itself, or in some other position, rather than working on back engineering flying saucers. I think this could explain where he got quite a bit of the information about the base itself, but of course that's speculation too. Huh. And he seems like a smart guy that might be working on that kind of stuff. You know, that would be a special project through the same company that he went would be to make sure the security is up to snuff. Right.
0: And and one thing I want to stress, regardless of how you feel or I feel or anyone feels about Bob Lazar, he's clearly an intelligent dude. Yeah. This isn't just uh, a run of the mill uh, person who wants to push the UFO agenda or anything like that. He's definitely... Um, highly intelligent. His educational background is, uh, suspect. Right. Which we will get into, mm-hmm. obviously. But he's a smart dude. Bottom yeah. line, you can tell just by hearing him speak. You can tell by, um, uh, the way he, he's the compo- way he answers very, questions. He's, and, yeah, he's yeah. very composed and usually cool as a cucumber. Right, uh, and he's and he's very logical the way, you know, right. the way he explains and things. And I think that, to his credit, is something that um, lends a lot of credence to his believability.
1: I think he'd be a great teacher, honestly.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: so, uh, and i got to say... Uh, my first thing was to say a janitor. I think I read that somewhere. Like he could be a janitor there, but I had to take that out. But now I'm mentioning it because I just think That it's was me that, actually. I think yeah. that was from me with, okay. the, uh, with,
0: the, uh, with the, the phone book. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, the phone book thing that was treated as a massive revelation right. in, the, in the documentary. Do we talk about that later? I think
1: that's the common thing because that's like the lowest totem pole where it's like, oh yeah, he could be a janitor.
0: He's like uh, yeah.
1: yeah, Bob Lazar hunting or whatever. Uh
0: well what bummed me out about the documentary is they showed that picture with Bob Lazar's name on it, but there was no like identifying information other than his name and the names of other people. I didn't right. see like a title on the phone book or anything like that. Right. And I didn't see any um Oh, job I, see, I see. Yeah, we don't even you know? know where the source of the No, it is or we don't. Anything, that yeah. could have been literally Again, beard, that could have been beard guy typing it up on an old typewriter into George a yellow Knapp? piece of paper. Or uh, No, the director. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, beardy, uh, yeah, beard guy. Yeah, um, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm not gonna call him that anymore. I'll call him Jeremy. Whatever. His, I think his name's Jeremy, right? Yeah. Out of respect, I'm gonna. Call yeah, him yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, totally. Um,
1: but again, yeah. I mean, we'll get into that too. But George Knapp, you have to take his word for it. Who he? I mean, he makes a career off of uh, conspiracy theories. I believe at this point, but um, you know, with uh, coast to coast host and all that oh. stuff. I mean. He, is he was, the guy
0: that took over for Art Bell? Yeah, I, I didn't.
1: Well, I don't know if he took over. I don't. I don't know a lot about Coast to Coast, but I know he's like a host there. Oh, he's the host. <laughs> so with like the host. Coast to Coast. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm a poet, and I didn't even know it. Um, the video that Lazar took with his buddies is some actual physical evidence, but unfortunately, all it confirms is that there were some UFOs flying around over a top secret air base. Not that it was back engineered from an alien flying saucer. Um. But it is kind of compelling. Although the video I saw wasn't as compelling as as he described it, making ninety degree turns or anything like that.
0: Yeah, I just saw sorts of uh, blinkies in the light. And
1: but I do have that that cool uh, that cool video, and I'll I'll put the link on there. But where it it uh, what do you call it? It refines it or uh, you it know, blows higher, it up a higher resolution. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. I mean, it looks like a spaceship or a flying saucer, so it's kind of cool, but then, you know, I don't know what the process was they went through or anything like that. Huh. Um, as far as other physical evidence to refute Lazar's story, the water starts getting a little murky, and the discussion devolves into your typical conspiracy theory back and forth of he said, she said. So I didn't go too deep into researching Lazar's claims about his past. Um, I did find a link to an image of what looks like a government pay stub, which I skimmed some comments about, but I didn't go too deep into that as documents can pretty easily be faked, and you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be able to verify it or not. Um, I did read a comment from someone who said that they researched it and the zip code from the pay address does not exist, and that the Navy would be the one to handle paying for the skunkworks operations on the base. It's uh, kind of a dead end for me because, again, I have no idea how the military handles
0: paying people or compartmentalizes itself or anything. But I'll, I'll put the link up to that picture. Okay, are we talking? Are we talking about his education yet, or are we just talking about his his time at what was it Los Alamos um, and S four?
1: Yeah, no, that would have been when he was at Area fifty one, I believe. So okay, yeah. Um, Some other compelling evidence is that Lazar did know the names of people involved with base hiring and people who worked on the base. He also knew that area 51 used EG and G special projects division for their hiring. Again, this only proves that Bob Lazar knew a little bit about area 51's hiring procedures, but doesn't prove anything about alien technology. And then I I keep saying area 51, but it's actually S four. Yeah. I was just uh, going to mention
0: that. So there's no aliens at area 51, right? It's S four, right? S four is the only place that, 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 Bob, there are Lazar, that <laughs> Bob Lazar claims to have been to yeah, is exactly. S4, exactly. which is off-site of Area 51. I just use Area 51 as the, the common vernacular. Yeah, it's the, more, it's the more recognizable one. But just to be clear, uh, Lazar worked at S4. Um, I won't go... Well, he claims to have worked at S4.
1: Right, <laughs> right. Uh, but I won't go into this in too much detail either, but there has been in doubt cast on Lazar's stories about his education and prior employment he called it Uh, Lazar claims to have earned a master's degree in physics from MIT and a master's degree in electronics from Caltech but of course there are no records of his attendance at either and he is not a member of a professional body and from what I have gathered online nobody remembers him from either university and Lazar is also unable to name any of the professors that he worked with Um, again I didn't see an interview where where he's put on the spot or anything, but that's what I I heard from secondhand research. Uh, This seems strange as I've read many comments online from MIT and Caltech graduates who claim that not only did Lazar not have time to get both of these credentials, it would be next to impossible not to have any references because you work so closely with your professors. Uh, My cousin recently graduated from Caltech. Would be interesting to get his perspective on this, I think. Um, Yeah, (laughs) I feel weird just calling him and be like, oh, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know the backstory then asking him if, if someone would be able to get through there but it, it would be interesting to, to talk to him get his perspective on there you know but
0: well I graduate okay let's I want I, I'm chomping at the bait here mm-hmm. Um in the documentary Lazar kind of Lazar and the director kind of poo-poo this whole aspect of it uh, yeah I'll, I'll saying it's that. not that saying it's not that big of a deal that um Let's hit. save
1: that for the uh, arguments against because okay. right now, sure. like I said, I'm focusing on the stuff that supports his theory, but sure, it, it is it does go hand in hand. I mean, got the it. biggest thing that doesn't support his theory is how he answers other questions and stuff, right. you know,
0: so I don't want to disrupt the format.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. I just don't want to be repeating everything, no, you know, I got no, you. Like I think there. you're in. The, yeah.
0: You're in the right. Um,
1: so and then also I got to say it, it seems like Lazar should at least have some documents like a thesis or degree that he'd be able to show for all the effort, you know. Would have something you know to yeah but but again, I mean, it's not like I dwell on my schoolwork i mean i didn't didn't graduate from caltech or or uh mit you know, but uh I don't know if I could name any professors or anything like that, and they sure, sure couldn't name i can' me, yeah yeah well and I you're did not than graduate, I am. Yeah, I, and, yeah. and i
0: did not this was fourteen years ago when I graduated right. I started going there in two thousand and I graduated in twenty in uh, two thousand five I'm talking about San Diego State right. I can name at least a handful of my teachers. Right. And I partied a lot in college and I can still tell you at least a handful of my teachers. If I went to a prestigious place, a more prestigious place like Caltech or uh, what was the other, M- MIT? Is that what he said? Or no, not MIT. Oh, yeah, MIT and, he and, did and Caltech, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the big Come on, ones, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on. Right. You you know the people you're working with. You know at least a couple of your classmates. Well, let me see and you know, your, your professors. I mean,
1: I mean, there's, I mean, there's different strokes for different folks, you know, like, well, as I wrote here in my note in my script here, but uh, to be fair, I like to think of myself as a fairly bright and analytical or logical guy. Um, The audience can judge that for themselves. And then, uh, I second that I think you are too, man. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, But I'm horrible with names and dates. So it's not too much of a stretch for me to believe Lazar just doesn't remember. Um, but this doesn't seem to match with how detailed he is with a lot of the other information that he shares, you know I mean? It seems like he's a walk-in recorder or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, of course he might've been more interested in all the details going on at a top secret military base with alien ships than he would be at going to school or whatever. But I, I don't know. It does. It seems a little far fetched that he couldn't provide some proof or something. I agree. Um, Another uh, thing that was put forth and this was covered in the documentary too but Lazar also had some legal problems in 1990 where he stood by his claims about his education in court. Um also to be fair Lazar is obviously a skilled electrician and physicist regardless of his credentials as as you covered,
0: right? Um yeah, he's a I mean he's obviously a bright guy. Right. And even if he didn't go to Caltech or MIT or if he did go to those places and washed out, he's still incredibly a brilliant dude and he's and if he didn't go to those places he's really good at being self-taught about those things like absolutely bo- borderline yeah. being a prodigy right you know right uh, let's see
1: so we'll we'll include a link that examines Lazar's claims about his education in much more detail for those who are interested but I'll let Tom read the final conclusion from the uh, the website that I'll post here
0: okay here's here's the final conclusion guys quote After plowing through all this data, it is enough to satisfy me personally that Lazar never attended either Caltech or MIT. Of this, I am certain of beyond a reasonable doubt.
1: And again, I'll I'll, uh, include the link there. I'm not sure who wrote that. I should have got his name for credit here, but um, it probably wasn't on there. Anyway, but it does a a pretty in-depth analysis of his claims about schooling. Um, Okay, so as far as Lazar's work history, apparently Alamo Labs, where Lazar claimed to work before working at Area 51 or S4, has no records of Lazar's employment, but Lazar claims that this is because his past history was erased. For what it's worth, while researching the original news story, George Knapp was able to find an employee phone book, which listed Lazar in it, and also an old newspaper article in which Lazar claimed to work at the Alamo Lab. In my mind, there's no doubt that Lazar is a very smart guy and knows the science very well, but these documents really could just prove that he was a janitor at the lab um and lied about his career to the press before he started making spectacular claims about secret alien technology projects. I feel like I'm repeating myself a lot here, but um yeah it, I mean it's important points yeah
0: right and and just to be clear, I think it's called Los Alamos right
1: uh yeah, what did I say?
0: You said Alamo Labs. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. In yeah. The Alamo Lab. I don't think he worked at the Alamo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, I told
1: you I'm bad with labels and stuff Alamo. like that. Alamo. <laughs> Remember the Alamo. Well, he worked in the basement. I don't know. Is Alamo. Los Alamos is that different though?
0: It might be. Well, I don't know. know I'm pretty sure Los Alamos is different than the Alamo. It, yeah, yeah. Ask the people in Texas. Yeah. The yeah. stars at night are big
1: and bright. Let me double check actually, because uh, I, I mean I think you're right, but uh,
0: yeah. Um, All those are Pee Wee's Big Adventure references For all you <laughs> young whippersnappers out there Who haven't uh, seen Pee Wee's Big Adventure You need to go see it And as predicted, you are right here So yeah, Los Alamos Lab, sorry
1: Sure Um. Anyway, the phone book's actual physical evidence That somewhat backs up Lazar's story If only circumstantially And like you said we don't really know where that page came from anyway. Yeah.
0: I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, man, but I didn't see anything on there that said Los Alamos phone book directory right. 1970, it seems like a magician's trick, like put it yeah. up in your face and like, look, it's right here. And then. Right. It, yeah. it was a yellowed piece. As I recall seeing it in the documentary, it was a yellowed piece of paper that looked like it was written by a typewriter. Right. I mean. Or that's that's old, old what style print. Like, you know, yeah. Print yeah. Of course. But, but it was. In the documentary, in it's typical jump cut fashion, like flashing all over the place. um, I wasn't able to verify that that was, uh, in fact, a phone book from the Los Alamos. Right.
1: lab. Again, yeah, like I said, you got to take George Knapp's word on it, basically. So take that for what it's worth. And
0: Jeremy's. (laughs) And Jeremy? Oh, yeah. In the documentary.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm thinking of yeah anyway as his uh, YouTube comment acronym, but um, there is a part of this story that is mentioned in the documentary, and again we brushed on brushed over we uh glossed over this, but um, so <laughs> man this is clumsy wording here, but yeah so there's a part of a story that is mentioned in the documentary that I have kind of glossed over until now, if only because I didn't find any first-hand account of it from Lazar himself, but apparently Lazar originally claimed to have taken some of the element 115 from the base and run some tests on it, which he has video of, ran some tests on it. Uh, but of course, the real substantial proof of the video is nowhere to be found. There's an interview with one of the people who went out in the desert with Lazar to shoot the video, John Lear, who states that he was also there with Lazar when the experiment was conducted and stands by everything that Lazar claims. But while listening to that interview, it sounds like Lear was already a believer and may even have inspired Lazar to make the story up if Lazar's claims are indeed false. Um, and that's just my read on it, you know,
0: I think they showed little clips of that in the doc- the Netflix documentary, too. Right. It yeah. Like some like marbles moving around or, or something. Oh, did you
1: know? they? I don't I didn't remember that. Okay,
0: I might be totally wrong about that, but please leave a comment about that if I'm wrong but I'm pretty sure there was some kind of video where they talked to George Knapp about that video and he's like you know what I got thousands of videos laying around here I've never been able to find it and then Jeremy the director found it yeah. And I think there was just a little blip of it.
1: Yeah. Anytime you're screaming at your radio or screaming at your headphones or, or anything like that about what we don't know, like, we're sorry. We're doing our best here. But, uh, yeah, let us know because, I mean, we're interested in this stuff, obviously.
0: And so. the only way we get better is to keep doing this. And the only way we get to keep doing this is with support from guys and gals like you for sure listening.
1: Otherwise we'll just speculate amongst ourselves, you know, mm. but um,
0: we want this to be interactive folks. Yeah.
1: I mean, obviously if you're an expert on this, you're going to know more than I do here, but we just, you know, we want to fill in the blank story for people that are curious or whatever. So, and I try to admit when I don't know something, you know? Um. So anyway, yeah, I put the, uh, the link up to the, to the Bob, Le- John Lear. Interview here, and it's uh, it's kind of interesting to watch. I guess you
0: should put a Bob Weir interview up there too, just for kids. Uh, I could, yeah, um or uh, Steve Weir.
1: No, Bob Weir. Uh, yeah, Phil, Bob Weir, the the Grateful Dead guy, and Phil Lesh. <laughs> yeah, Phil Lesh is uh, would be more fun. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. So, um, it seems like when a group of people share a UFO story, that it is taken as proof of the story's veracity. Okay, yeah. Sorry, I didn't read that right, but yeah, when a group of people share a UFO story, again, I'm thinking of the uh, Travis Walton story and how it's like, oh, five guys are sticking to their story, so it must be true, it, uh, which is a conspiracy theory and about a conspiracy theory, really, Yeah, if that makes sense. But um, No, I know what you're saying. So uh, it's taken as proof of the story's veracity, but it isn't hard to imagine a group of people conspiring to deceive people. Sure. Uh, Another aspect that Lear mentions in this interview that I haven't really touched on is that Lazar started feeling like his memory was being erased or manipulated.
0: Ooh, I didn't get that.
1: Again, Lazar doesn't really mention this in the documentary or the Rogan interview, but it seems like this would be a big part of his story if this were true. And apparently that is why Lazar started going under hypnosis to try to remember the details that he had forgotten. This seems so fantastical that, without Lazar himself explaining what he experienced, it's hard to know what to make of these claims. And hopefully, he goes over this more in his book. You know.
0: Yeah. When does that come out again?
1: Uh, now I'm having trouble remembering. I think it was in September. Okay. But
0: uh, again, I I I wish I had a link up d- there in one of the episodes. I wish I had experience with hypnosis. I could regress you real quick, and then you could remember the date. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> so when was that book? Um. Anyway, let's yeah let's.
1: Let's see we're going at uh where are we at here, yeah, we're about fifty minutes here, give or take, so uh,
0: I think we should next week we'll go come ahead and wrap it up, and, and then, yeah,
1: we'll come and finish it we'll uh we'll go over the the things that we think are gaping holes in the story, or I think are not gaping holes, but anyway, we'll go over the contradictory evidence and then kind of we can just kind of speculate and theorize a little bit on on everything we know now, right. that sounds like a plan, man, but um, yeah, like I said. Or like Tom said, uh, put give us some comments. Let us know what you think. And uh, if there's any stories that you want us to go over that you're that you're wondering about or, or whatever, then let me know because I'm I'm looking for topics. You know,
0: yeah. And above all, like I said, we want this to be interactive as possible and participatory. And uh, we really do appreciate uh, all all thoughts and comments, even positive or negative. We're you know we're grown ups. We can handle it. Yeah. Don't be too mean. I mean. Yeah. We're we do have semi soft skin.
1: But uh, I'm the first to admit we're not professional broadcasters.
0: But we do take this fairly seriously, and we want to uh, bring you the best product that we possibly can. Absolutely. Uh. All right. Love you guys and gals. See you soon. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.